Happy anniversary, Father. Happy anniversary to you. Are you taking me out for dinner? Oh, you know what? I would, except I have appointments right through the dinner hour. That's very convenient. Hi, everybody. Hello, world. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. It's good to be with you. My name is Michael Puppis. And today, oh, my name is Herb Weber, Father Herb. And today, we are recording this on August 21st, which is our... Anniversary. anniversary. Not our marriage anniversary, but the anniversary of the parish. <laughs> no, I'm currently taken. Yeah. But uh, my wedding anniversary is coming up, but that's not that's, today. That's, that's, a, that's in the fall, isn't do it? Do you know when my wedding anniversary is? October 4th. Well, you're close. Minus three days. October 1st. First, yeah. Okay. The first. Um, but anyway, today is the anniversary of the very first Sunday Mass of then Blessed John the 23rd Parish. We were actually founded on July 1st, 2005, but the first Sunday Mass was August 21st, and so I usually consider this the anniversary. 13 years we've been at this. That's hard to believe. And you were there. I was there. I, I, rem- I mean, I don't know if I necessarily remember that specific day, but I, I can remember I, the, the music you did. We sang All Are Welcome. All Are Welcome. God forgive me for singing that song. <laughs> Actually, I think I asked you to do it. You probably did. Let us, let us build a house like tomato, bacon, lettuce. Oh, no, but we were building a church. We were singing a new church. Did we sing a new church? No, I don't think so. But it's been fun. Uh, kind of piggybacking on that, today I sat down and really spent some time diving into the ritual for the dedication of a church and really analyzing all the, the, the prayers that are in this Mass are absolutely beautiful uh, and c- kind of figuring out musically what we want to do at all the different part, portions of the Mass. It's really going to be... Every, everybody in the parish knows that the church is the people. I've said that a thousand times. But in terms of the Mass of dedication, you start with a building, just a regular building, and mm-hmm. by the time the Mass of dedication is over... It's a church building. Yeah. It's consecrated. It's set aside. Yeah. And set apart. And may, that that is, to me, that's the beauty. Maybe we could, I'm just brainstorming out loud while recording, maybe we could highlight a couple of things about that Mass in some upcoming weeks so people can kind of know what to watch for. That might be kind of fun. Why not? Oh, he's not going to say no to me while we're recording, so that's yeah. fair. <laughs> wait, wait till we're off the air, folks. Okay. Uh, that's happening. Uh, let's see. This Sunday... Is the is big the, party. The big party. It's the 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time, which, by the way, the first Mass we had was August 21st, and it was the 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time that year, 2005. Really? Yeah. Oh. 21st on the 21st. That's a fun fact. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this Sunday is the big party, so we have a special evening Mass on Sunday at 5.30. At uh, 5.30. Which we did. This is kind of our sneak peek of the 5.30 Sunday evening Mass, because come October 14th, it's going to just be a... A five a five thirty every week. Regular part of our week. Uh, so five thirty this Sunday, August twenty sixth, and then after mass, there's going to be inflatables, food trucks, princesses, bonfire, live music, all outside in the parking lot. It was really a lot of fun last year. I never did get to eat as much as I wanted. I was busy talking, so I ended up. I think I had a root beer float. That was my dinner that night, which is an excellent choice. <laughs> um, and what I was something else. Oh, I wanted to say it is sponsored by 23 Student Ministries. So, you know, thank you to Paul and all of his core teams and all the students that are working to put this together because it's okay. going to be a nice day for the parish. And you know what else this Sunday is? The final Sunday. Very good. Of John chapter six. Chapter six. How many weeks have we done? Five. This will be five of five. five. 
Yeah. Did you ever do that when you send a package or, you know, one of five, four, two of five, three of five? I do that with my Christmas decoration boxes, like tree, one of 35. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very large tree, as yeah. you can tell. <laughs> so, yeah, we're finishing up John chapter six, the bread of life discourse. And this time we're finding out what the people did when they reacted to Jesus's words. So backtrack a bit. Last week, Jesus said, used the word flesh and blood. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have life within you. Mm-hmm. And so the people grumbled again and murmured. And quarreled. And, and, and quarreled. Have you noticed all those words they keep using? Yes. The, the, they really got a bad rap. I, I liked when Father Jeff said they didn't just quarrel. They came to fisticuffs. Yeah, that was, that was kind of a Can cool Can you imagine? Image. He's, he's, he's saying these words, so I hit you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's actually very appropriate to some of our society these days. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read the gospel. Okay. Would you like me to read the gospel? Please say yes. I would love for you to. Okay. Many of Jesus disciples who were listening said, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? Since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. As a result of this, Many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied Jesus. Jesus said to the, to the twelve, Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. Good job, Peter. You know, he gets it right once in a while. And this is one of those times. One of those times. And probably the very next line, he puts his foot in his mouth. But <laughs> he, but it's that whole thing, Jesus saying, are you going to leave me too? Mm-hmm. Now, this morning, this morning in the Bible study, somebody reminded me that I often talk about, I, I want to finish the story on some of these people. Like the rich young man who goes away sad because he's got possessions. Yeah, you were talking about this in your homily yesterday at St. Clair Commons. Exactly. That was yeah. reading yesterday that I want to talk about what became of him later on. Yeah. It's just kind of like my my little thing that I, I need to see it through. I've got a, a great need for closure. <laughs> so this morning at the Bible study, somebody said, well, in the same vein, whatever happened to those people who left Jesus? As a result, many of his disciples turned to the returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied Jesus. Mm. So somebody said, "What do you think happened to them?" So I don't know. What's, well, when I read that, I was thinking about how many times do we have an event in our lives or an experience? Um, maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it's something really happy. Maybe we go on a retreat or to a conference or whatever it may be, and we get really. Um, invigorated by the spirit and we feel very on fire for our faith but eventually that's gonna come oh, to there's it. always people that happens at sunday mass we have people who show up not just this parish but probably every parish yeah people who get very excited and suddenly you see them in everything they are oh yeah they are involved as the day is long right and just as quickly 
they disappear. And never to see them again. And I have tried to follow up sometimes, and you just don't know what happened. And I think that's the problem. You can have involvement without engagement. Engagement is where you somehow see the core. You, you own the ministry. Mm-hmm. It's not just doing things, but you see the big picture, and you have the relationship with the Lord. You know, here, though, I think there is a, a fine line. Of, we can see why they walked away, because they were extremely challenged by what Jesus said. Unlike some of the people that we have known over time that maybe have just disappeared and we're not sure whatever happened to them. You know, these people... Maybe they weren't challenged enough. Yeah, maybe. Um, But they they clearly didn't like what Jesus had to say, and um, they left as a result of it. And I I can't help but liken that to what's going on now in the church. And you wrote a beautiful letter today uh, that went out to the parish and was on social media um, about the sexual abuse that just came into the news last week. And... We know, again, that a lot of people are going to be challenged by this, and they're going to probably want to walk away. Um, how, do we, how do we as a church still stay true to Jesus and his message despite the challenge you know, of human error? And I think here in this story, it was the human error of trying to understand what Jesus said, and they walked away without ever getting the full picture from him. So what's your response to it? Boy, that's so many levels of what you just said. I went to a restaurant, a very good restaurant, and this was some years ago. I ended up getting food poison. Mm -hmm. I was really sick for the next couple of days. And it was definitely, I mean, it was very clear. It was from something I had eaten at the restaurant. Yeah. That has not stopped me from going to restaurants. Mm-hmm. It has cautioned me as to what to order. I think I had some shellfish of some sort. It's a good thing we're not going out for our anniversary dinner tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, I, re, I often think, you know, you get hurt and you get hurt deeply to disassociate, disassociate yourself from the church out of pain is understandable. Mm-hmm. But who's hurting whom? Uh, you're not you're not doing it to punish the church. You might be hurting other people, your colleagues in the pews, if they don't see you there. Yeah. But you might also be starving yourself. It's like not going to eat again. Mm-hmm. Now you might also be pretty wise and say, I want to be careful what I select mm-hmm. or where I go. But to just isolate yourself. Um, I think that's always the temptation. You know, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Yeah, for me it was my piano, but I can understand. You pick up your piano and it, go home. Okay, I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really is. It's it's very sad. I think people are put on the spot. They're hurt. They're hurt deeply. If nothing else, they want their hurt to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. But they also are saying we want we want two or three things. We want those in power to own up to their mistakes and to truly apologize. But even more so they want the changes made that are necessary to prevent this from the future in the future. In 2002, when we went through this terrible crisis and you were quite a bit younger at that time, I was in high school at the time. It was the hardest year of my life as a Catholic priest. Mm -hmm. It really was. And for that reason, this is sort of like deja vu all over again. or somebody wrote me and they said it's like pulling off a scab and 
realizing the healing has not taken place. Mm. But there's something else going on. We have to look at the changes are not just to prevent abuse. We've been doing better at that. Mm -hmm. But we also have to look at the structures, the questions of how can the institution of the church be changed? I am part of the institution. I'm a priest. Right. So when I talk about it, I'm talking about the church as such. There's a lot I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about this. You know, are there secret archives or all that stuff? I don't even know if there is mm-hmm. uh, or if there are. I don't really know that. But I will tell you, every place probably has some confidential records. That's fine. But we have to discern what is right to be public about and what's not right. And do we have structures in place that prevent what everybody's calling cover up? Can we find ways that we can hold each other to accountability? You know, for me, the comfort actually comes from this whole, the scripture that we've been studying in John chapter six, that through all of this, no, no matter what human error and sin do in this world, that Jesus is, that Jesus never wavers, that he is always constant. And then he continually calls us to be nourished and sustained um, and to find hope and consolation and comfort in him through the Eucharist. But I'm, but I'm afraid sometimes we blind people to seeing Jesus. Hmm. It's not only that we don't lead them to Jesus, we almost lead them away. Yeah. And if you can imagine, somebody that is supposed to represent God is actually becoming standing between you and God. That's the real scandal. Yeah. Now, I want to go back to the passage. Sure. Because you ask about these people who left. Right. There's a phrase in moral theology called the fundamental option. The fundamental option of your life is basically, are you heading your, is your life heading towards God or not? And if I were to ask a hundred people, are you getting closer to, to God with each day or not? Probably 95 out of the hundred would say yes, because I've tried that already. Oh yeah, I think my life is better. I'm closer to God. But I think if we look deeper, mm-hmm. are we making that choice to be godly. So it's not just like I feel closer to God, yeah. but are are we are we starting to decide I will follow the Lord no matter what? Hmm. And this crowd, these people that left and so Jesus said to the disciples, "Are you going to leave me too?" Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that left, he didn't even really condemn them, but they were depriving themselves. They were missing that's what the fundamental option is. You're depriving yourself of something that's good. And you can have excuses all day long. Yeah. I mean, I've learned as a priest, people can talk themselves into or out of anything they want. Right. They can justify their actions. It's amazing to me. My mom always used the phrase, you know, don't cut off your nose to spite your face. Well, that hits home way too close oh, for sorry. me. <laughs> sorry, Michael. Thank you. I didn't, I didn't cut wow. it. I didn't see that coming. I should I, have. I didn't yeah. cut it off. The, the surgeon did that. Don't, don't let him cut off your nose despite your face. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm on nose number three, in case somebody's out there <laughs> listening, not knowing about it. And it was not by choice. Uh, it was not my fundamental option. That, <laughs> wow, there's so many layers to this. Uh, but, you know, how, how often times do we... By the way, where are you going to work next year? 
Uh, hopefully you'll at least keep me for another podcast or two. Well, we'll, we'll keep you through the dedication of the new church. And then I'm out of here. Um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, how many times, you know, you see it at a, I see it at a very basic level in my own children. How many times do, do we do something stubborn? That's really probably they hurt themselves in the long run, but they're just being stubborn. And then you can take that to the nth degree with adults that, you know, sometimes we just get so set in our ways or we have to prove a point or we want to be right that we can't always admit, well, hey, maybe something could change. Maybe I could do something differently. This morning at Mass, I was talking about, uh, it because it was about riches, mm-hmm. you know, if you're rich, can how can you enter the kingdom of God with all this wealth? Mm-hmm. So we started about talking about wealth. We started talking about power and influence. And I said, we normal, so many of us think that if you're wealthy and if you have all these prestigious positions and power, mm-hmm. that you're going to be happy. And I said, wealth does not bring and power does not bring happiness. And if you doubt that, just watch the a news. Godfather. I said, watch the Godfather movies. Oh, I was thinking the news. <laughs> well, I, I didn't want to get political. I yeah. said, just just watch the Godfather movies. Yeah. And you know, it's like we sort of assume that if I, if only I had this, if mm-hmm. I only got my way. Sometimes we have to just be humble enough to say, I don't have the answers. Right. I know. I learned that every day in my marriage. Yeah. Yes, dear. And uh-huh. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh. Hey. <laughs> She's listening right now going, yeah, does, right. Does Claire yeah. listen to these? She does. Okay. Once every other month. No, she, I think she actually listens almost every week. Okay, to see if she's, if you're talking about it. Yeah, probably. Her. Hey, Claire, we love you. Yeah, we do. But Father's taking me out to dinner tonight. Okay, I'm not taking you out to no, dinner. Okay, I know. <laughs> let, let's go back to the first reading from the book of Joshua. How often do we read from Joshua? Remember... The, the first five books of the Bible and Moses got them right up to the promised land. They mm-hmm. left Egypt and Moses brought them through the desert, got up to the promised land, but he did not enter. Then we get to the book of Joshua and Joshua is there as they start to claim their new home. Okay. And Joshua is with all the tribes and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they, and he says, and if it does not please you to serve the Lord, decide today. Back to that fundamental option. And then he says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Oh, that's such a famous line. I yeah. see that in people's houses. Yeah, That's like a little plaque that they'll hang up on their walls. Exactly. Well, this is where it comes from. It's uh, chapter 24 of the book of Joshua. Okay. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's a great motto to live by. We have to make the decision. It's the fundamental option. And so what's the most fundamental? Where is my life headed? Okay, so let's, we have a couple minutes. So let's, can we hash that out a little bit? So we're going to say, okay, I'm going to stick with Jesus. You know, my faith challenges me to live differently. My faith challenges me to serve the Lord, whatever it may be. How do we see that played out legitimately in our lives? It's one thing to say it, but on a day-to-day basis for the average person that is getting up early and taking care of children and going to work, or maybe for somebody that's homebound, whatever it may be, what does that look like? I know it's going to be a little different for each person, but what are some ways people can do that? I think the first thing is they have to evaluate how they spend their time. Time can be filled yeah. with anything and everything. You know, when somebody says, I have a busy life, I say, well, you know, busy in itself is not a virtue. Right. It depends on what you're busy with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to, there are some things you have to do. There's many things we choose to do. And some things that we choose to do, we think we have to do because we made the choice sometime earlier. Yeah. We made a choice of letting the kids be involved in anything they want. And so now we feel trapped because we're running them to all those things. Right. And maybe even the kids feel trapped. Mm. So maybe the choice was like, how many things are you going to be able to do? Yeah. 
so we have to make good choices, but we also have to say, do we have a sense of priority? What really is the more important thing? Mm -hmm. I remember when we were having mass at Perrysburg High School, and of course the the cafeteria is the commons, and the one wing goes down to the gym. Yeah. And one day before is during the winter, and it's before Sunday mass, and there was a kid came up to me dribbling a basketball. He had come from the gym, and he said, "Hi, Father." And I said, "Hi. Are you going to play basketball uh, after mass?" And he said, "Oh no, we're going to play now." We only go to mass every other week, and the weeks in between, we play basketball. <laughs> I mean, he was right down the hall from the We were in the, the same building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in his own innocence, and I saw, looked over his shoulder, and I saw his dad kind of turning three shades of purple. Yeah. Uh, it was like, okay, where are your choices? What are the priorities? Would you say that maybe step one is analyzing where your prayer life is, kind of the, the rhythm of your daily prayer. A couple of weeks ago, you talked about, you know, praying the liturgy of the hours and those that are in monasteries pray. Se- that was for the Feast of the Assumption. Yeah. yeah. Are um, praying several times a day. But even as a parish priest, you play morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer. Um, I think that's a great rule of thumb for anybody. To- well, and that's how the laity, when I was a kid, we all prayed as every family prayed morning prayer. We might have done it with breakfast, but we prayed a special morning prayer. Yeah. If you get if you went to a Catholic school, you pay, said a prayer at the beginning of every class. Yes. And maybe before you went to lunch. That was a shock for me when I got to Bowling Green State University and we weren't praying before class after. Oh, you're kidding my me! My entire well, I knew we weren't going to, but it was just strange that wait, why aren't we praying before? I was prayed before every class my whole life, especially through high school. Uh, I, I usually prayed before exams. I still do, and I, especially if you ask me to step into your office. <laughs> you know, people out there are going to think that you're really in trouble. You're on thin ice. Am I on thin no, ice? No, you are not. Oh, good. Good. That's good to know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, a daily prayer life, uh, and it's not meant to be done by ourselves, that we can help hold each other accountable and, and share with one another different ways that and, we can do that. And I know that we're about to run out of time. So the other thing is not just a private prayer. Back to this question. And, and Peter said, where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Mm. So he brings it back to Jesus and collectively, not just me and the Lord, but all of us together. Well, we'll see you together next time on the 23 podcast. And we'll be back to Mark's gospel. Take care. Bye-bye.